everybody. I'm Kate Conroy. And I'm Vinny Civitello. And this is Other People's Business, which is the podcast from the New Jersey Business and Industry Association, the largest statewide business association in the universe. No, just the country. I promise. It's just the <laughs> We release a new episode every other Wednesday, so be on the lookout for that. Shout out to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group. They do home, auto, and workers' comp, so check them out if you need some updated coverage. Cool. Just a couple housekeeping matters before we get started. This podcast is, and I honestly can't believe I'm going to say this, 100 episodes old today. Yeah. So a big thank you to everyone who watches and listens, and everyone at NJBIA for being so supportive over the last four years. We really, really appreciate it. Couldn't do it without you. Wouldn't want to do it without you. Thank you. Absolutely. And speaking of 100 episodes, we've invited back one of our very favorite guests from the last few years. She was actually one of our last guests before the world shut down in person and everything. But we're so excited to have her back. Carrie Barrett of Carrie Barrett Consulting. Say hi. Let the audience hear your voice. Hi. How are you guys? And congratulations, by the way. That's phenomenal. I know, right? It's kind of unbelievable, but we're kind we're very excited about it. Yeah. I, I remember when when Kate, you and I met at one of the chambers and we, we had a meeting back when you could meet in person, back when yeah. humans were allowed to roam the earth for getting there again. But uh, and we, we talked about the podcast and I was so excited to be a part of it. And that had to be, yeah, close to close to two, two years. years ago. Yeah. I was yeah. just beginning my business. And so a lot has changed since then for all of us, regardless of where we are in business. But anyway, hats off. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you so much. We're really excited to have you back. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Okay. So our icebreaker today is what are you currently binging? And that can be books, movies, TV, or food. Oh and... boy. So I'll tell you what, I actually, I'm, I'm going through a rebrand. And I have a photo shoot for my website coming up in a couple of weeks. And so I'm not binging on anything when it comes <laughs> to food sure. or drink for yeah. that matter. Uh, books have, there's a pile of them uh, next to my, next to my bed that I, I'm sure one day I'll get to right now though. I always have go, there's a couple that I'm, I'm binging morning show, of course. Right. Uh, how could I not? Um, dope sick which is amazing, yeah. amazing. And what else have I been watching? I have been watching, oh, I'm finally getting into Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I realize I'm like 20 years behind the behind the times. <laughs> that was actually gonna be my answer, to be honest with you. I was gonna say I've been binging Curb, so. Oh my yeah. gosh, I'm only into season two, but it's so oh. good. First of all, um, it gets first, so much better because like those yeah. early episodes are kind of rough. It's like an improv, I don't want to say improv. They oh, kind of, totally, what it is, is it when like, yeah, like what is it when they have like a guide, but like for the most part, they don't really have like a script. They got better at that over the years. So, yeah. yeah, they're like ad-libbing. It's improv. Uh, I will not forget though, episode one of season one, the, um, what was it called? The pants tent? Oh, I, yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> What I was going to say about this show is that there's so many just like relatable things, you know, um, this season in particular, I'm not going to spoil anything per se, but like, so I've had, um, I had this random issue in my life where like, I've been complaining about the size of our towels forever. And finally, I didn't know like, where you were going with, with that until you finished yeah. the end of the sentence. Wow. <laughs> so like, we finally like bought these like gigantic towels for the bathroom. They're like bigger than beach towels. It's amazing. They're bath sheets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're so soft and fluffy. They're amazing. But they don't like actually dry you all that well, which is like 
kind of the point, right? They sort of so, just smear it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, like they thin out the water and then that, evaporation takes place. And that's that, sort of or you just lay in it for so long because it's nice and fluffy and soft <laughs> that you finally just like dry through that. Yeah, like you said, evaporation. It's evaporative. But, yeah. We were talking about this, and then like two days later, Larry David does this episode about that on Curb Your Enthusiasm, and I'm like, this guy and I, because like it's just this season in particular, there have just been so many episodes where I'm like, holy crap, I was thinking about that like the other day. Like um, one of the last few episodes, we talked about how I tore down the pool in my mm -hmm. backyard. When we bought the house, no one would insure our house because like there was a pool back there, but there was no fence around it. Oh, yeah. Um, and he did an episode about that, like this season. And I'm like, that's such a random thing for you to make like a comedy episode about. But yeah. But I think it's sort of the genius, right? You'll, you'll yeah. certainly, I'm sure you'd notice like parallels between the way the, the plots go in Seinfeld, like the show about nothing. Yeah. It's just a series of random sort of incidents and they all tie together. Yeah. But I think one of the reasons they were so successful is because it's that, you know, random crap that happens to us where you sort of look around you're like am i in candid camera i know this is just part of everyday life you know but it, yeah. it resonates and, and like you said like how there will just be these four subplots going through yeah. and you have no like mind for these things are going to connect at some point and then they all <laughs> converge in some yeah. brilliant way so it's it's hilarious but you actually have if you're like on season one, one you haven't gotten to the michael j fox thing yet right i haven't gotten there oh. but i, yeah. I did <laughs> Google Larry David and he's worth like four hundred and fifty million dollars and now I, I understand why. Yeah. No, yeah. that that Fox episode when you get there, that's that's one of the best comedy episodes of anything on television. Like <laughs> yeah, they're both brilliant, Michael J. Fox yeah. and Larry David. I have yeah. I'll check it out. And when I watch I it, laughed I until like I almost passed out. That's how funny that was. Okay. <laughs> wow. It's been a very long time. I used to watch Curb all the time, and then I somehow got out of the habit, and I think I'm like three seasons behind or something, at oh. least. So I gotta oh. catch up. Maybe yeah. I should do a rewatch. There's like 20 <laughs> seasons. Is yeah, it's there? 11. There's a lot. 11. Yeah. Oh, then I'm more than three seasons behind. Oh. I am definitely. Oh yeah, well, God. I mean, I think it ended like a decade ago, Kate. Yeah, it, it was a while, and then they brought it back. Um, oh, they did? Yeah, like I it was the end it, and then like he did a revival season, and now he just kind of does it whenever he feels like it. So I think it was like nine That's was why. before the pandemic. I can't remember okay. when 10 came out, but it had to be before. You're but yeah. Blowing my mind right now. Nevertheless, I have a lot of seasons to go. Yeah. That's and that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, am, you. I'm binging. I actually just finished last night. Why the last man, which is that yeah. show on Hulu that you were talking about, about uh, Carrie, have you heard about this? No. Why the yeah. last man. So imagine, um, a pandemic, some kind of dirty bomb happens. Try to imagine a pandemic. Try to imagine a pandemic. Clear your mind. Suspend disbelief. And every mammal with a Y chromosome dies all at the same time in front of anybody who might be standing nearby, driving their cars, riding elevators, everybody. And so animals, think, people, anybody who's a mammal. People. Yes, yeah. anybody who's a mammal that has a Y chromosome. I think it and started think, with the rats, it worked its way up, yeah. Okay, wait, yeah. but am I, I'm gonna, I, I, listen, I can't, is the Y, what is, are you XY, is that like a, what, it, how do the chromosomes? Why would be more what? associated with men, yeah. Right. Okay, got it. So okay. men, so okay. all the men die. 
Right. And if you think about how the world is organized, where there are more men in positions of power than women. Yeah. um, There are a lot of governments that have to reorganize really quickly with people who maybe don't have the experience or maybe are just so government kind of falls apart. Power plants kind of fall apart. Water filtration, sanitation, like it all society kind of crumbles really quickly. And except there's one man who survives and they can't figure out why and also he's kind of on the run because people are like who is this man how did he survive we need to examine and experiment and figure it is really fascinating because you know at this point you know there are a lot of women who just don't miss men (laughs) right there's that yeah so wait is the director of this show a man or woman and the creator now i'm curious i'll look it up so the original the original creator of the book was a man, but the okay. showrunner is a woman. Got and it. I think she's really done a great job of kind of retooling this from the, mm-hmm. we'll call it the source material. It was a graphic novel. It yeah. went on for like 60 comic book issues, but wow, okay. um, she's done a great job of kind of modernizing it and bringing it into now. So mm-hmm. it's great. Okay, you, you can check that out. That sounds phenomenal. Yeah, it's it not was. even leadership. Like you mentioned, you know, male leadership or whatever. It's not even that. It's, you know, how many, like, let's just say in a perfect world, the workforce is 50% male and 50% female. And let's just say in a perfect world to run any organization, you need everybody, you know, like right. if there were, if there wasn't like everybody needed, then, you know, you wouldn't have those jobs in the first place. So mm-hmm. you talk about a power plant, it's like, okay, let's just say 50% of the people from that power plant are still alive. Well, I know how to do my job, but maybe like, you know, somebody else who is needed was a man doing another job. And then like, you have other things where it's like the world ended. Nobody wants to go to work anymore. So you know you have to convince people like, okay, but you had a really important job. You actually do need to come in and work, you know? Yeah. So. Really interesting where we are right now. <laughs> there are some interesting parallels for sure. Yeah. 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 Really bummer thing. We're going to start a campaign on this show, Save Why the Last Man. So like three episodes into season one, they canceled it. Um, not having anything to do with whether or not the show was good. It was just a victim of the pandemic where yeah. like, they um, the contracts were supposed to expire like at the end of the season, but just based on when it all fell, it was the beginning. Yeah. And they were like, you know what? We're not going to take a chance on this. So they're trying to shop it around, get it uh, picked okay. up somewhere else. And I'm wishing them all the best luck on that. Sounds yeah. amazing. Fingers amazing. crossed. Anyway. Anyway, tell us what you do. Me? Remind the audience. Yeah, remind the audience what you do. <laughs> we had, you do for a Benny, did you give your did you give your binge worthy show? Yeah, it was Kurt. Curb. I was it, you read okay. my mind. Like I okay. swear okay. to you that that's what it was gonna be. And okay. yeah. No, you weren't you weren't just riding on my coattails binge worthy TV. I, I wouldn't do that. I'm telling you, I've been I've been <laughs> knee deep in curb. <laughs> uh, what do I do? Well, I like to say that. Thank you for asking. Uh, I like to say we that totally I totally caught my... you off guard with this question. <laughs> I can't believe. <laughs> Is he talking to me? Yeah. I guess what we, do I do? <laughs> we all know what Kate does. <laughs> uh, I help my clients move out of obscurity into notoriety and authority through the use of video. Now, how exactly that transpires and how we execute depends a little bit on 
who they are, what they do, and where they are in their career goals. If they are a high-level CEO, perhaps they need media training and PR, or maybe they want full-scale video production, like done-for-you video. If they are a small business owner, a solopreneur, entrepreneur startup, they may need to understand how to take on the job of um, pitching themselves to media outlets or media training, or maybe they need to understand how to create great video content with their phone. Whatever sort of phase they are in business growth, the way you move from obscurity into notoriety through video varies. But overarching, that's what I do and that's how I help them. That is a really tight 30 second commercial. I, I love that move from obscurity into notoriety and authority because notoriety could go one of two ways. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it could be notorious for not a great reason, but the authority yeah. piece. That's yes. fantastic. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I like to feel like I serve the person that I used to be, which is somebody who for a very long time, up to and including my days, right? So for 20 years, I was a, a broadcast uh, TV news anchor and reporter and producer. I was at NBC up here in New York for a while. And um, prior to my TV news career and even moving through the beginning, probably quarter of it, I was terrified of public speaking. Like, and I, and I was, um, I, I was terrible at it as well. And <laughs> I knew, I knew sort of what I wanted to do, but I also think there was a part of me who recognized back when I decided I wanted to tell people's stories and using video and do it on camera, I, there was a part of me, like this small sort of bullied person, and I was very much so, um, that realized video was a medium for growth for me and a medium for building my confidence. And so for me, it was, I'm going to put myself out there as a sort of a, you know, what to, to people who had constantly put me down and bullied me. I get to tell great stories, which I love. And also I get to grow my confidence. And so I serve business owners who were like me, maybe psychographically, right? So they were, they feel um, like they're not fully self-actualized or their business is not self-actualized and they feel scattered and overwhelmed. And as many of us know, video is the big thing when it comes to marketing it's sort of that you know tried and true method of speaking from a stage but it's on steroids because you're doing it digitally which means it's 24 7 365 and around the globe and so how do they move out of this like playing small sort of scenario that they box themselves into into really growing their authority and their and their visibility i i love that story i i feel i, I had a similar like bullied, you know, not a great time in high school, not, not comfortable public speaking, felt like I was going to like throw up and just absolutely fall yeah. over really. Um, and then the older I got and the more I did it and the more practice and the more I listened, I feel like the trick, the thing that got me over the hump when I was learning how to do it was to, was when I realized that nobody's really paying that close of attention anyway. Like we all have this ongoing conversation in our head about picking up the kids or what to get on the grocery list. And, you know, we're paying attention, but there's always this ongoing list of things to do. Mm -hmm. And 
so that combined with the fact that people in the audience are not in high school anymore. They they don't want you to fail because it would be yeah. embarrassing for them too. Like right. we would all be embarrassed. Is she gonna make it? Is right. she gonna pass out? <laughs> right. They're rooting for you to do well. And that yeah. is and that yeah, those two things combined got me over that hump, I think. I, I would say one hundred percent. The, it's it's much harder to keep people's attention than it is to never get it from the beginning or lose it. And so like that is calming, especially when we're on a stage or it can be, or maybe it's like, oh my God, nobody's listening to me. Am I terrible at what I do? It sort of depends like which camp you're in. You're either like, eh, I don't care, or you, you get wound up in your head about it. Mm -hmm. I think with video, it's a, it's a similar thing. If you wanna use video effectively, right, you're deliberately using video as a marketing tool or as a way to, right, to get yourself visibility, you know, let's say you want to go on the speaking circuit, like videos, whatever it is, virtual, whatever. You want some notoriety and authority. It's much harder to cut through the noise and get people's attention than it is to have them just scroll on by you anyway. That's Absolutely. that's kind of the tricky. It's like, I'm going to put myself out there and holy cow, now you're telling me people are going to watch me? That's not what I signed up for. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and I feel like the technology that we have, the social media that we have makes it so much easier, but in a very scary way, right? Because you're opening what? yourself up to the comment feed, right? And the <laughs> troll and the, I mean, like, all of that. Yeah. Th this thing is the most efficient tool we've ever had in in messaging, right? It, I mean, it, this is a media hub. This is a broadcast hub. I can do everything here. I can shoot. I can edit. I can caption. I can put transcriptions in. And I can publish all pretty much within the space of five to ten minutes, depending on how much production needs to go into it. And, and then I can comment and I can follow up and I can... I can see the analytics and I can see who's watched and all of that other stuff. On the flip side, you're absolutely right. It can be terrifying to put yourself out there, but I, I have to tell you, um, one of the stories that I use when I when I talk to my clients, most of us have the same fears, like the trolls are gonna come out of the woodwork. And unless, you're, unless you are a, a really big household name, it's never going to be as bad as when you're posting video content, right? It's never going to be, um, for the most part, that entirely random people are going to stumble across something that you post on LinkedIn. If you're running ads to something, that's a different story. But, but my point is, I used to have the most, I mean, we all did in the news business, we all do have the most horrific trolls that are, are absolute <laughs> keyboard warriors and are willing to say anything, do anything, be as hateful as they want to be. I have had people mail things to me back when you could still mail things to people in a newsroom that would absolutely shock you. I'll spare you the details, but here's what I like to say at the end of my clients, or at, to my clients rather. At the end of the day, those people who are trolling you or sending you things, they're watching you. They yeah. know your name and you don't know theirs. So who's winning? Right? I mean, really it's what it comes yeah. Don't let don't let any of that garbage stop you from putting yourself out there or or taking a fearful step. You know, you have to 
do the things to clear the fears. That's what I say. You'll never feel completely comfortable doing it, but you, you just have to do a little each and every day. I can tell you like a hundred episodes of this show, you know, we were not confident at all in the beginning. <laughs> we were um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> One of the ways that we got through it, like we, you know, we would just say, you know, nobody watches the show. Like when I say nobody, I mean, in our minds, zero people watched the show. Not and, even our parents. Yes, exactly. Like no one. <laughs> And so it was just like, we'll, we'll make it, we'll put it into a void, and then we will, in our minds, pretend no one saw it, you no know, and that it. helps, you know, like Definitely you just pretend yeah. you're just doing it. I, that's you're a lot easier when you're talking about video, you know, like you could just look into the the little, I think you actually called it the, the little white dot um, yeah. during the WBLF. You just look into the little white dot and you pretend that when it's all said and done, nobody saw it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the goal. You're talking to... Uh, you know, generally one person who is um, maybe, you know, somebody within your circle who is a friend or a colleague or a family member that sort of fits the avatar for your ideal audience member, you know, whether it's a client or somebody who is maybe a refer referral source or whatever, but that person that you know personally, that you trust most importantly, and that you like, and that also has your back, that's sort of who you're talking to. And then you shut everything else out. And not only does it have the benefit of sort of calming your mind, I'm just speaking to, you know, I don't know, Kate, for example, Vinny, not to not, to not include you, um, but Kate and I, we go way back. No. <laughs> February of 2020. <laughs> that's right. Maybe 2019 even. No, it was 2019. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was February 2019. Okay. And let's be honest, I think we met at the same time pretty much, Vinny, as well. So, <laughs> but, but, but my point is, when you talk to one person, you're much likely to connect with everybody in the audience, right? If, if you're trying to talk to everybody, it, it makes things a little bit more bland, a little bit more generic. And so, you know, you think you're appealing to everybody, but but you're not. It's like that saying, you know, try to please everybody, you please nobody. Pick pick that one person and talk to them and you will connect on a much deeper level with a larger portion of your audience. Plus, I think um, there's something to be said for the idea that if, you're, if you are imagining that you're just connecting with one person, it really takes the edge off. And the more relaxed you feel, the more relaxed you'll appear to be, and therefore the more confident you'll appear to be. And that's when you can really start to own the room. 100%. It's a similar, it's a similar concept, at, you know, and perhaps people who are watching have maybe spoken from a stage or behind a podium more often than they've been on video. So I'll, I'll, I'll phrase it in this way. If you go into a room and you're, you know, giving a presentation or a speech, what, what you should do to sort of accommodate exactly what Kate is talking is divide the room up into quadrants. And then you sort of, you're focusing on this quadrant for 10 seconds. You're looking the people in this room, connecting with one or two um, at eye contact, you know, within that 10 seconds. And then maybe you move down here and you speak to this quadrant of the room for 10 seconds and you connect with a couple of people there via eye contact, right? And then, you, you know, you go to the, but the point is not only does it allow you to focus on specific people, if you're focusing on a specific quadrant of the room, you can sort of shut the rest out and it almost makes the group 
seem a little bit smaller than it is. So it's a way of sort of getting inside your own head, head trash and, and flipping that narrative. I want to throw out a thing like I, this isn't so much for the speaker as the speakies. Try to be that person that connects with the speaker. You know, like it, it's hard, you know, and I, I'm going to say like I'm the first one to admit that like I'm not always great at this, but like be that person in the room that connects eyes with the speaker rather than just being on your phone, rather than being disconnected, yeah. rather, you know, like just be that person that with your eyes tells the speaker, you're doing a good job, keep it going, you know? Because that can make all the difference, you know? And it, it takes nothing like, out of your day. No, 100%, you're sort of like the, the buoy, right? So you're like the friendly space for whomever is on the stage. On the, I'll never forget, I was in grad school and I was, you know, obviously still terrified of public speaking and I was giving a presentation on something that I didn't feel sure of. And there was one student, I mean, this is, this is a long time ago and I still remember her because I would look to her and she would smile and she would nod. And it, it sort of, it boosted my confidence and she was just she knew she knew what she needed to do and i'm sure she did it for everybody but my point is absolutely if you are in attendance and and i'm not perfect at it either we're all compelled to check an email when we hear it coming in or whatever but try and be that friendly face in a sea of unfamiliar faces and if you're the speaker and you're in a group where perhaps you're not entirely familiar with everybody who's going to be in attendance like to go a few minutes early, earlier than usual even, and spend some time connecting with like three or four people more deeply than you would on just like a regular networking thing. And then when you go out on the stage as you're speaking, find those three or four people in the audience so that you know if you're having a moment where you're sort of losing it, you can find their faces and, and because they have a connection with you, you'll likely get a smile and a nod and that will bolster you through through the rest of your speech. And you can have a little fun, you know, if you remember one of their names and you might not because nerves and everything else, but you, you can see Jennifer, I told you, I told you I was gonna forget where I was going and okay, now I'm back, right? Whatever it is that you need, you can have a little fun with the crowd that way as well. That's you gotta be what? the best way to recover a flub I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, so. Oh yeah. 100%, but get, but okay, so the that piece about being the buoy, okay, so I had a professor in college, she used to do that. She would sit at the back of the room, smile and, and do this. She would nod when you were giving a presentation or talking about a book or something, she would mm -hmm. nod. And I loved that she did it. So I started to do it too. And I became a buoy in some of those rooms yeah. for some speakers. And you know what? The speakers were often so grateful that I would get like a shout out from from the podium, like what you just said, Carrie, like, see Kate, blah, 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 Kate knows from NJBIA or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And think yep. about the power of that. If you're in a room with 300 people who do not know you, suddenly they have just heard your name, your company, yeah. maybe what you do. I yeah. mean, it's kind of good for you selfishly too. be the buoy. It's good. Be the buoy. Be the buoy. Help people keep the choices above water. Be the buoy. <laughs> you know what? I train public speakers, but maybe I should train public speakees too. <laughs> we all need it. And I, I mean, like, nobody's ever going to be perfect. You catch me yeah. in the middle of like a multi hour meeting or like, you know, yeah. something like that. And, you know, the, the energy level just naturally decreases during the day. But, like, you know, I, I'm always thinking about it. So I'm at least always going to try, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that's the, that's the pledge everyone should take.
that yeah. this I, it's funny i was doing i had a speaking engagement on um earlier this week and somebody had asked me a question which i i thought i answered and i and then i was in the middle of continuing the speech and all of a sudden like the bigger part of what i should have answered came to me and i was like hold on a minute if i don't say this i'm gonna forget and I went back and I'm like, you asked a question, but I only answered it halfway. The second part is, and I'm telling you, right as I went to say it, it, it disappeared again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, hold on, it's gone again, it's gone again, but I'll keep, and then, it, and then it came to me as I was talking, I'm like, it came to me, I'm gonna write it down so I don't forget, but I'm gonna keep the rest of the presentation going and I'll come back to you with the answer. Like, you just have to sort of oh. own it. I, I like to call mistakes personality showcases because truly, yeah the day those little moments if you handle them well you don't have to stumble all over yourself apologizing just handle them well have a little bit of you know um self-deprecating humor and like move on and yeah. most people actually find those to be those those become we talk a lot about authenticity that's sort of where that stuff lies we had a speaker at a Women Business Leaders Council meeting back in September uh, from PSENG, I think. I can't believe I remember that. But she said something very similar, but just for regular life. She said, one of, the, one of the most important things I learned in my career was that people were watching me as I had good news and as I received bad news and as projects fell apart and as we had wins. And the way that I reacted to all of that is is not in a vacuum people could watch me have a bad day and how that played out and it affected yeah. my career and i wish she said i wish i had uh learned that because somebody told me to be careful of that not because i had a bad day and you know reacted yeah. badly to something in front of people more important than me but yeah. you're absolutely right it's the authenticity it's memorability moments it's um yeah, it makes you so memorable when you handle it well. That's one hundred percent. If you handle it well, most people are not seeing the mistake. They see how you shone on the recovery, and they think to themselves, "My gosh, I, I wish I could have handled it that well." You know, I sometimes think I put pressure on myself to be, um, you know, this perfect speaker. It's never ever happened, not once. <laughs> I've never had a perfect show. I've never had a perfect anything. But I think one of the greatest things is that if you can see somebody who is skilled in that area and realize that they still have mistakes and they navigate them in, in a in a memorable way and come out on the other side standing, that's the you know lesson for all of us. And it doesn't just apply to public speaking. It applies to anything. You know, it applies to whether you're having a business failure or you got fired or whatever it is how you navigate it and come out on the other side. Did you, were you able to, you know, make a lesson out of it, handle it well, whatever the case may be. And yeah. somebody during our WBLF actually said, it's not about perfection, it's about grace. And yeah. I think that's a line that's gonna stick with me forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, that's absolutely true. And 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 not getting, you know, we, it's, it's sort of the ego that, that gets in our head when it comes to all of that other stuff and actually thinking like people care if we make a mistake, they don't care. 
<laughs> they don't. That's your own inflated sense of self-worth or deflated sense of self-worth, one or the other, right? They don't, people don't really care about that stuff. Exactly. The only thing people really care about, and I'll say this honestly, like we, we said this a couple episodes ago, if you go on too long, that's that's the web place where people will be like, all right, that is, exactly. <laughs> you'll start to see the the feet tapping and like the okay, you, you know, you got to take your cues from the audience and wrap that up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Actually, did have one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Um, COVID, you know, hit yeah. and then like video became a really big thing. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Like, yeah. did you see more people asking you? Because now, like, I, I would say prior to COVID. The number of people who were quote on video, you know, it wasn't as nearly as many as the everyone and anyone afterwards. Right, one hundred percent. Suddenly, everybody had to be an expert in the stuff that you teach. How did that affect you? Uh, well, it, it was good. I mean, I hate to say like it was good. That sounds really insensitive, but if you're talking about strictly like a business perspective perspective, excuse me, that was an opportunity for me. There's a lot of people who didn't recognize that video was important. And there's some that still don't. And, and, you know, if they're, if that's where they are, they're at some point, they're going to get overtaken by those coming up behind them who are already on that video marketing train. Again, it is the 24 seven, 365, except on steroids marketing equivalent of of speaking i mean it is like that's sort of the most standard tried and true method of marketing your business and selling and marketing yourself except that with digital you can do it all the time everywhere you can reach a much larger audience you can reach you know i mean you there's digital ads there's webinars there's master classes there's social media content there's blogs there's website for your video i mean i mean there's video for your website uh, there's digital courses which is a huge area that i've started to dive into so i've i've really taken my group coaching uh, my my gosh see i'm making many of those mistakes that i referenced just a few minutes ago <laughs> no one minded. <laughs> Taking a, a lot of my one-on-one -on -one clients and moving them into a group coaching environment. Um, it, it's uh, there's a lot to be said there for peer learning, for constant access in our private Facebook group, for challenges, advice, questions. Those are things that would not have been available if it were not for that sort of digital landscape. You know, we talk a lot about digital footprint. This is all of the stuff that builds your digital footprint. And then for digital courses, there's a there's people who who, you know, are not in a position right now where they're ready to commit either time or financially to my services. A digital course allows them the opportunity to work and it allows me the opportunity to serve and provide but at a reduced fee and a, and a sort of at a go at their own pace environment. So, you know, I, I, the, the digital course world is a $365 billion a year business. I mean, people are spending a billion dollars a day on digital courses. And so, you know, I have a lot of clients who have digital courses in them, but are afraid to put them out because they don't, they're not comfortable with the camera element. You know, they want to do it behind slides. And I'm like, you are a B2B coach or consultant. You are client facing. Your face is the brand. 
or your name is on the side of the building or on the logo, you can't hide behind PowerPoints. You're doing yourself a massive disservice by speaking behind a slide. You, if you, if the coach, if the client rather is wanting to work with you, they need to see you, right? So I have a, a friend who does content and she works one-on-one -on -one with individuals. And I'm, you know, you need to do a, a course on content creation because there's a lot of people who can't afford to work with you but you can still provide them some value right so you sell this course for you know 300 bucks or whatever it is you meet a much larger audience that way people who are just beginning to get their start can get some knowledge about content creation and then we're they're at a place where they have the you know means to pay for you, you've already created a series of touch points with them. They already trust you because they've learned from you. And so it's like, it's just such a great way to build credibility and notoriety and bring in some extra revenue at the same time. It's genius. That's Absolutely. how, that's, that's part of what COVID changed for me. I'd always wanted to do a, a course, but it sort of bumped up the timeline for me. It didn't sort of, it bumped it up a lot actually. <laughs> Fair. So Carrie, anything coming up that you'd like to promote? Absolutely, thank you. So I'm launching my first group coaching cohort on January 4th. It is a 12-week program where we will have weekly, hour-long group coaching sessions. We'll have critique, review, peer learning. There'll be access to the private Facebook group where we'll be doing video challenges. And I'll be there for virtual office hours as well for people who have questions in between sessions. There's a bunch of assets that go along with it, workbooks, worksheets, that sort of thing to help you follow along. If you are interested, in checking that out, probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is to go to LinkedIn. I'm in a, in a little bit of a rebrand right now, so my website and email are changing. You can always find me on LinkedIn or Instagram, either one of those. And if you follow me on any of my social media platforms, DM me and let me know that you followed me as a result of um, other people's business, the podcast, and I will enter you for a free chance to win a seat in one of the group coaching programs. That's, That's awesome. amazing. There you go. Thank you. So usually we ask people how they can get a hold of you. Um, so how can they, I mean, you just said like LinkedIn and whatnot. Is there anything LinkedIn. specific somebody should do to reach out? LinkedIn or Instagram, you can all you can find all of my contact information there. Like I said, because I'm going through the rebrand, there'll be a little bit of transition and I don't want you to get lost in the shuffle. So DM me or uh, shoot me a message on any of those platforms. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram quite a bit. You can also find me on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, a little bit on, on TikTok, not so much so. Don't depend on it. If you go there, you'll see a lot of videos that my daughter's posted. <laughs> But for each platform that you follow me on, I'll enter you into the into the into the pot. So if you follow me on all five, your name goes into the pot five times. But if you're just looking to reach out and get a little bit of strategy, LinkedIn is the way to go. Very cool. Fantastic. All right, I think that that's the show. Thank you. Here. Thank oh you so much. Oh my god. This was phenomenal. Um, I just wanna. <laughs> You are, you are the best. Um, thank you to our listeners, especially our subscribers. We so appreciate the support and thank you for helping to celebrate our 100th episode. 
thank you to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group, the official sponsor of the show. They do home, auto, and workers' comps, so check them out. And finally, thanks to Carrie Barrett of Carrie Barrett Consulting for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Bye. Congratulations. Bye.